Welcome to the Green Acres Podcast. We are so glad you're here. At Green Acres, we strive to transform lives with the truth of Jesus. Today's message comes from Pastor Michael Gossett. We're going to continue uh, in our study of the Ten Commandments. Today we're on commandment number seven. And I just want to invite you, if you haven't been um, kind of walking through these commandments with us, uh, I, want to, I just want to encourage you, go back. You can view these online, jbc.org, but uh, just to catch up, because here's what we are seeing as a progression uh, through these commandments, uh, is that it gets more and more intimate uh, the further we go along. Now, what do I mean by that? It means uh, that it becomes more personal, that it's not just this uh, sort of out there existential understanding of the way of life, saying that this is a better way, but it's very, very personal. It's personal in how we view who God is. It's personal in how we understand the importance of life. It's, in, it's, it's personal in all of our relationships. And today in this seventh commandment is absolutely no different, but rather it's placing the dagger even further into our chest a little bit. You know that moment in Acts chapter 2 when, when Peter was preaching to the, to the crowd? And he says this phrase, he says, that the word of the Lord pierced their hearts. The only time that the word of God is piercing is when it's personal, when it becomes applicable to you. You know, my prayer every Sunday is that the Spirit of God would fall in such a way that it would pierce our hearts, that it wouldn't be this attempt of changing our behaviors by any stretch of the imagination because your change of behavior is still a pathway toward hell. But the piercing heart, see, that's what the Spirit does. When God draws you into his presence, it's piercing your heart. When God draws you into this better way of life, it's not so that you just change your behavior. The better way in life is for your benefit, it's for your good. In fact, Jesus promises that. You know, so many times in life we we walk through different seasons, we walk through life so many times just feeling empty in ourselves, feeling empty as if there has to be something better. Well, you know, you're not alone in that thought. In fact, everyone who is not satisfied fully in Christ will always be manufacturing some sort of way to what they think is better. You try to create your own lanes. You try to manufacture your own satisfaction, and it just doesn't work. It's like you're just on this wheel in life, just spinning day after day after day. But what Jesus promises is not just life, but he promises us something that is abundant, abundantly satisfied in him. If we would just abide to the words of life, 
I want to remind you that the Ten Commandments are not our route to freedom. It's for a people who have already been freed by God himself. And he said, because you are a redeemed people, this is what redemptive living really looks like. This is what it looks like to, to live redemptively. You know, there's this interesting article that, that I read this past week about Jennifer Lopez. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, nothing godly can come from that. Um, there's some truth to it. But I found it interesting because it kind of gives us a cultural understanding of love. You know, everyone in life is wondering what true love really is. Everybody. But Jennifer Lopez puts it into a unique perspective. You know, she's had multiple marriages, some that only lasted uh, not even a year. And she makes these statements about her expectations. She says, uh, it's easy to project your hopes and dreams onto a relationship when it's new and exciting. I was lucky or unlucky enough to be with men who were really intense about their feelings for me, and I loved it. It was intoxicating when it was happening. When a man does something like that, she's talking about getting big gifts and just all the attention. When a man does something like that, it's easy to think, wow, look how much he loves me. But a passion, but passion is a pendulum that swings both ways. As beautiful as it can be, it can also be, be very intense. How can you turn your back on a love so big, so amazing, so real? The problem is, it wasn't real love. It was just passion. I just didn't know the difference yet. You know, Hollywood has taught us to chase your own dreams, to, to chase whoever you want to be. The screens have taught us this manufactured love that it's not real love if, it, if the emotions fade away, then it must not be real love. True love is when the song is playing in the background. True love is when the fireworks are going off and you have that true love's kiss or whatever you want to make up that Disney says or Hollywood or anyone else. But we come to this emptiness at the end of the day when we misunderstand truly what love is. Have you ever contemplated the question, what is true love? You know what Jesus says in John chapter 15 verse 13? He says, no one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. If you know the context of Jesus' words, you know that he's not talking about just the people you like in your friend group. He's talking about something much broader than that. He says that there's no greater love than this, than someone who is willing to lay down their life on behalf of another. This is what true love is, Jesus says. What does this have to do with the seventh commandment? I want to invite you. Will you stand with me as we read this in Exodus chapter 20? It, it's actually longer than last week. Okay, we have four words instead of three. All right? Verse 14 says this. Do not commit adultery. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we give you this time. God, that you truly would pierce our hearts today. Not about what we want, 
Not about what we desire. Not about what we think is right or wrong. But God, would you pierce our hearts with your authority that is found in Scripture? God, I pray that you would fill this room with your grace and with your presence. And God, that because your spirit is active, Father, we are begging you, Jesus, to move in our hearts today. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated once again. You see, the problem that we see with true love is that our culture is painting a different story. You know, when you have this false love, or at least a false misunderstanding, this false conception, this this false perception of what love really is. And then you tether that with the culture of today that is a me-centered culture. Listen, that is the hinge of the door that opens up to the hallway of adultery. When we think that love is about us, is our first misstep according to true love with Jesus Christ. Never is there a time that love is about you. Never is there a time that love is about meeting your needs, your desires. Never is love something that you can manufacture on your own. Love is not something that you can just conjure up in in your own belief system. Because what we know about love first is that God's gift is true love. It was a gift from God from the very beginning. And most of us, you most likely know that God himself is benevolent, meaning that he is all loving. And it doesn't mean that he loves actively. It means that, yes, he loves actively because he himself is love. Therefore, all love derives from him. True love, that is. The one that he gifts us with. The one that he says, here is a gift from me to you, is that he would bestow his love on us, even though a broken people, rebellious people, that he would bestow, that he would give lavishly, by the way, his love for us. But we see this from the very beginning. I want to read this to you. Um, It says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 20, it says, the man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, and to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. What a sad moment in Adam's life. You know, this made me think of this past December, we were celebrating uh, our middle uh, two, Reagan and Rowan. We were celebrating their birthday. I mean, they come to the point where eating cake, everybody's participating in the cake. Uh, We come to the games. Everybody's participating in the games. But then we came to the presents. And Reagan and Rowan, they were the only ones that got to open presents. And, And Lincoln just thought, Lincoln, number four, poor little boy all by himself. He looks at me when they're all done with opening their presents. They're done. They're just, they're all cheery about everything. And Lincoln looks at me and he says, hey, dad, is it my turn yet? Exactly. What am I supposed to say to that? So I crushed him and said, no, it's not your day. (laughs) Not really. I said, no, 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 buddy, you don't get to open presents, but look at all the leftover cake. All right, let's go over here. All right, diversion works every time, all right? 
but it's kind of interesting. He was just thinking, there's, there's no gift for me? This had to have been what Adam was thinking. He's looking at all the animals. He's looking at all of God's creation, naming them one after one after one. And people ask, well, why wasn't Eve involved with that? But you and I know it would have taken way too long to, to agree on names, all right? <laughs> That's not right. There is a purpose behind it, though. When Adam was looking at every other part of creation, he knew that he was by himself. Now, did this catch the Lord by surprise? Absolutely not, because two verses earlier in Genesis 2.18, the Lord says, he says, let us, after he makes man, okay, he says, let us. He also says in Genesis 2.18, he says, I will make a helper corresponding to him. And then it was two verses later that Adam came to a realization. You know what I think why, why the Lord put it in this type of progression? So that the man would know for certain that there is no one on earth as fitting as Eve. There's no one, no other creation. And look at his response. I mean, can you think about this? I mean, he's, he's asking the Lord, okay, okay, what about me? I'm pretty lonely here. What about me? What am I supposed to do? There's no one fit for me. There's no one corresponding to me. And so after he starts rubbing his eyes, waking up from uh, the Lord's, the first surgery, the first anesthesiologist, I mean, was right here in Genesis chapter two. All right, Adam is waking up from this surgery. And he says in verse 23 of Genesis chapter two, and the man said, this one, this one at last is bone of my bone, is flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. See, this is a special moment, not just for Adam, but also for Eve. You see, this was God's gift because it says this in, in verse 22, right before it says, then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And this was his response. Finally. You know, there's this pause in all of creation for man. For the man and the woman to be created in the image of God. And here's what we know is that because woman was taken from man, we know that this is for the purpose of having a harmonious connection. It's for the purpose of marriage that we see. But what, here's what you and I need to know. Because James chapter 1 verse 17 says, it says that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not like shifting shadows. You know what this means is that everything in culture is shifting around us. Everything in the world is revolving around what culture says is best, but God remains the same. He's not shifting. He's unchanging. And not only does he not change in who he is, he does not change in his ways of what he knows is best. But because it is a gift, listen to what Jonathan Edwards says. Jonathan Edwards wrote this. 
It was published back in 1796 in a treatise concerning religious affections, but he said this. He said, the more excellent something is, the more likely it will be imitated. There are many false diamonds and rubies, but who goes about making counterfeit common stones? Other translation says pebbles. The devil and men's own deceitful hearts tend to imitate those things that have the highest value. So no graces are more counterfeited than love and humility. For these are the virtues where the beauty of a true Christian is seen most clearly. See, the problem with adultery, the problem with sexual immorality is that it is ultimately the replacement of the good gift of marriage that God himself gave to us. But what we need to understand is that marriage will be counterfeited. In fact, it already has, but Not only is this a gift, but we have to understand that if we are to have this gift, if we are to live in this gift, then we need to know God's design is true love. Only God's design. You see, there's a specific word that you and I, we need to understand. And and most of the time, we just kind of move over this. We kind of glaze over thinking about it. But it's this word called corresponding. That's what it says multiple times in Genesis chapter 2, that God made them correspond to one another. Now, I'm going to tell you one of my favorite things to do in the winter, maybe in the fall, is to sit by the fire in our fire pit. We have a fire pit on our back porch, and I just love it when it's cold weather out, put on a coat and just go and sit by that fire maybe reading, maybe drinking a cup of coffee. It's just so relaxing. But as soon as that fire, if it were to escape that fire pit, if it were to get up against the house or if it would get into the yard, then it's just going to spread like crazy because everything is dry in Texas, all right? It's just going to spread. But if it stays in the confines of the design of that fire pit, man, it's perfect. It is great. So it is with marriage, so it is with sexual intimacy, so it is with dating relationships, that when it's inside of God's design, it is really good for you. It's God's gift to you. But as soon as you take that outside of God's design, this is when it becomes disastrous. This is when it becomes a wildfire in your life. This is when it takes over things that you didn't intend for it to. And and so often it seems just so innocent that it's just a little bitty flame. How could it possibly hurt anyone else? How could this possibly hurt anything else? And then by time, it just takes over and it takes ground where you never knew or thought or intended for it to go. This is why God's warning is so strong against sexual immorality against adultery. By the way, we've sometimes have limited our understanding of adultery to only mean marital infidelity. But we know that Jesus took it much further. You see, Jesus includes all types of sexual immorality. Anything that is outside of God's design for marriage is sexual immorality. 
No ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is why you and I have to be cautious in the way that we walk with this. Genesis 2.24 says that this is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife and they become one flesh. You see, this is God's design for marriage and is actually impossible to do so outside of God's design. Now, why is that? Because of the word corresponding. What does he mean by corresponding? When, when man was looking across, it wasn't just the image of God that, that changed our understanding of humanity's creation, but it's also in the unique way that they were to fit together one to another. Now, we don't have to go into any type of anatomical lessons here to understand the point of what scripture is making. Yes, it is physical intimacy, but it's also a spiritual union. Now, why is this so important? You see, culture has distorted our view of marriage. The world will tell you to just do whatever you think is right. But the problem is, is that there is no fitting. This is why we see over and over again, Jesus even affirms this. He says in Matthew chapter 19, he says, haven't you read? He replied that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female. And he also said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh. You see, there is clarity and there's affirmation with Jesus himself. So many times people have made this claim that Jesus is okay with homosexuality. Jesus is okay with a perverted understanding of marriage. Jesus is okay with these things, but Jesus was not okay with these things. Paul was not okay with these things. And the Lord made a specific decision not to restrict you from freedom, but to give you freedom. The world is going to tell you and us differently. The world is going to say that it is okay to manufacture your own relationships, but out of love and from the authority of God's holy word, you are headed toward destruction if you run outside of God's design. There's no question about it. In these texts, you certainly understand that because God made man, he made Eve from the rib of Adam. Eve's genetic structure was derived from and therefore perfectly harmonious with Adam. This is the way that he said that you are to correspond and fit together. The design for marriage is a monogamous pair of one male, one female that is absolutely exclusive, that is chasing the gospel of Jesus Christ itself. But let's be cautious. We can stand firm on the authority of Scripture. But as a church family, we are going to extend the hand of grace to bring people in to that fold. If we have learned anything... These Ten Commandments, this should draw us to our knees. The next generation is being attacked ferociously. 
about what is right and what is wrong. And it's under this belief system that they just don't know you need to chase your own heart. You know what God's word says about our heart? I don't want to chase my heart. You know why? Because it is wicked. I need to get out of my own heart and pursue Jesus Christ. Don't follow your heart. Follow God's word because it is never going to change. You see, the lure of sin always looks appealing. It looks flashy. It looks good. But it is always reeling you in to destruction. Why do we know this? Because we know that God's covenant is true love. So this is the last thing that we see about true love is that it's a replication of God's covenant. You see, we have this misunderstanding in our culture today that we have this understanding of marriage that it is contractual rather than covenantal. You see, contractually speaking, your marriage will be full of if-then statements. But if it's a covenantal marriage, it's going to be filled with no matter what statements. Like in your marriage, you can't say, I will do this if you do this. If you do this, then I will do this. You see, that's contractual understanding of marriage. But what the covenant understanding is, no matter what you do, I'm going to lay my life down for you. No matter how much, how bad it becomes, I'm going to lay my life down for you. Now, let me press pause here and just say this. Under no circumstances is God's expectation for you to stay in an abusive situation, okay? Can we just be clear about that? Don't misconstrue what I'm saying here because if you are, and ladies, I'm speaking primarily to you. If you are in any type of abusive situation physically, spiritually, mentally, verbally, name any of it, any type of abuse, you need to flee for your safety and for your family's safety, If that is you, I want you to reach out to the church and we're going to help you do whatever you got to do. But let's not confuse that with a covenantal understanding of marriage. See, what this means is that you and I are to experience marriage, relationships, dating, whatever season of life you're in, in such a way that it is a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why Paul writes in Ephesians 5, he says, now as the church submits to Christ, uh, Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for you. Now, this is the calling that we have as a body of believers. Why is this so important? Because covenant living promotes purity. All right? That's the first thing that we see about covenant living. It promotes purity. The second thing that we see is that covenant living promotes faithfulness. Covenant living promotes faithfulness. And then the third thing that we see is that covenant, covenant living promotes fruitfulness. So if you want to test your relationships, if you want to test your marriage, you look at these three things. You say, is it promoting purity? 
Is it promoting faithfulness? And is it promoting fruitfulness? Because this is where we get to in our gospel replication in our relationships is that in everything that you do and the way that you are loving your spouse and the way that you are dating and the way that you are living out singleness and the way that you are doing every season of life, ask yourself this question. Is it a replication of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Am I promoting gospel living? Am I showing a picture of who Jesus is and his sacrifice for me that even in my rebellion, even in my own despair, Jesus died so that I may have life? Is your life portraying that type of fruitfulness? Because here's what happens when you live a covenant lifestyle, when you live a gospel-centered life, you are not only going to produce fruit inside your home with your children and with your family, but it is going to produce fruit outside of your home as well. See, this is a call for every individual. It doesn't matter where you are in life. Ask yourself this question, is what I'm doing promoting the gospel and the picture of it in my life. We just bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Maybe you're next to your spouse. If you want to just grab the hand of your spouse right next to you and just put a stake in the ground today as you answer this question, are we portraying the gospel in our family? Maybe your spouse is not with you. Maybe you're single. Maybe you're widowed. Maybe, maybe you're just dating. Ask yourself this question. Is what I'm doing replicating Jesus and his love that he has showed me Maybe if that is not true of you and you know because God's spirit is stirring in your heart and you know you're not living out this way. It could be because you have never surrendered to Christ yourself. That you have never been saved. You've never given your life to Jesus. There's absolutely no way you can live out the love of Christ to your wife, your husband, in your dating relationship, in your singleness, wherever you are. There's no way to live out the love of Jesus unless Jesus is living inside of you. And so that is your first step today, is to surrender your life to him. Heavenly Father, we ask in the name of Jesus right now, God, that you would show us your mercy God, show us your love. Show us how we should be living as an overflow of your love that is inside of us. God, I pray for every marriage. I pray for every person, every family, every individual that is represented here. Father, whatever the struggle is today, oh God, would you convict in a way that only your spirit can do. And God, would you draw us into your presence like never before? And it's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Hey, thank you for joining us today with our church family here at Green Acres Baptist Church. And this invitation is for you. Maybe God is stirring in your heart right now from what you have heard. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. 
maybe God is calling you right now for salvation. You know, the Bible is very clear that if we uh, confess with our mouth and if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says that you will be saved. And so right now you could pray a very simple prayer and just say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you to come into my life and save me. If that's you today, we wanna help you and walk with you with this decision. Maybe for others of you, uh, maybe you've been saved, but maybe you've been waiting to get baptized. Uh, maybe you need to figure out what it means to be a member of our church here at Green Acres. Whatever that decision is, we wanna come alongside you. And so do us a favor. You can fill out the connect card at gabc.org and one of our team members will be with you very shortly. Whatever it is that God has laid on your heart, we wanna walk with you in your growth in Jesus Christ. I look forward to hearing from you soon.